You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey, Disciple Makers, good to have you with us today. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman complete in all their powers is in the spiritual fight. And right now, somewhere today in the world, making disciples of the nations. So stay tuned, stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. I'm so very glad uh, about today's program. Uh, I, I would call him an old professor of mine. I'm not so sure we're close enough to be called friends, but I think we're friendly with each other. Uh, Steve Siemens is with us. Uh, Steve has his PhD from Drew University, is emeritus professor, which is hard for me to believe, emeritus professor of Christian doctrine at Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. He speaks and teaches on issues that are important to him, but also were pretty important to his dad, who wrote a pretty famous book on healing for damaged emotions. His name is David Siemens, but Steve gets around, talks about emotional healing and spiritual renewal, and today just straight up healing, because he's written a book called Follow the Healer. The Biblical and Theological Foundations for Healing Ministry. So, Steve, boy, it's great to have you on the uh, Discipleship Podcast today. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be with you, Matt. And and you were a student my very first year of seminary teaching, and you survived. So, you know, that's that's a good thing. But, well, okay. So uh, yeah. let, let's talk about that just a minute. So I, I had to have been one of your first classes. I, you, so... Yeah, it was a J term, I believe. It was so a J we were term. You know, I taught in the fall semester, and then J term came January right after that. You know? Now, this is the shocker, though. And the, the, you taught the theology of John Calvin. Right. And basically, yes. through the institutes out there, said, let's read these together. A wonderful class. What a great way to do a class. Just let's read through the most important stuff of the guy. I was, uh, uh, when I was in graduate school, I did quite a bit of work on the Reformation, and we had a teacher there, Bard Thompson, who basically did that kind of approach where we would just read about 100 pages or so of primary material in the particular author, you know, whether it's Luther or Calvin yeah. or just whatever, and then just jump in, and and he would bring questions and, and uh, focus our attention on things, but I really love that way of sort of a Socratic method of of teaching, and I wanted to do that when I got to Asbury and uh, couldn't do it in a number of the introductory kinds of courses right? Uh, that, that tended to be more lecture-oriented and needed to be more of that kind of instruction. But I loved, and I loved, you know, I loved teaching John Calvin because First of all, there are a lot of things, uh, and and I know sometimes we in the Wesleyan tribe, uh, you know, we 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 tend to demonize John Calvin a bit, and we, we you know we we beat him up a lot. Sometimes it's a straw man. It's not so much Calvin himself, but uh, Calvin's Calvin's followers after him who out Calvin Calvin on yeah exactly. Things. On the other hand, there were some things about Calvin I, you know, I didn't, I strongly disagreed with, but there were some other things where I thought, man, no one says this better than him. So I, I had a kind of a love-hate relationship with him, yeah. but I really wanted at Asbury Seminary, which is obviously a Wesleyan school, for us to really give him a fair hearing 
And uh, so that's kind of why I taught that course that way. Well, we did. It was a great class. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. And uh, let me just say, one of the things you did, I don't know if you remember any part of it. I, I'm surprised I can remember any part of it. But I remember you brought in a five-point Calvinist that was five-point to the hilt. Yes. And uh, yes. and at the end of it, we were so mad. We were foaming at the mouth, kind of like, wow, they actually believe this. Anyway, the whole point is, I've just noted across many years of service of my own, that, and, and I look at your career from afar, that you've made a pretty lousy five-point Calvinist across the years. So- <laughs> right, right. right. But, but yeah, but, but I felt like, like, like what, Wesley said, we're a hair's breadth away from so many of the things he taught, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. I, I want to get to your book here because I, I just finished reading it. Wonderful book. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. It, it, it's, it's, it's deep, but it's uh, easily understood for lay people. And so I'm just going to tell you, if you're a lay person and you're interested in healing, and frankly, even if you're not, you've got to recognize Jesus was a healer. He wanted his men and women to be healers. And uh, Steve's written a great book on this. And so many of the things I've said across uh, some years, probably in, in some ways, because I picked it up from you all the way back as an old professor of mine. One of the things you start off with is saying, it's interesting, Jesus calls disciples to himself then he goes out to the, basically the untouchables of his culture, and he starts healing. It's one of the major things he did. And obviously, it's a major thing across his ministry. Why do you pick up on that? And so many other evangelicals who are not charismatic or are not Pentecostal, we're just not talking about it much. Well, uh, I think actually this is part of the bad part of the Protestant Reformation heritage that was bequeathed to us. Uh, people like Calvin and Luther were, they overreacted against the uh, extremes in medieval Catholicism related to healing, you know, relics and uh, praying to saints and going to certain shrines to get healed. All the kind of superstition are surrounding a lot of those practices. They were, they wanted to get back to the word. And, and, and so, they really were the ones that basically espoused the doctrine of cessationism, which basically said that the healing miracles were for the first, uh, for the apostolic age, or at least for just the first three centuries of Christianity. And then after that, once we got the, the Bible, the New Testament and the Bible, we don't really need healing to accomplish the preaching of the gospel and et cetera. And so they they kind of set us up, you know, for many churches in in North America today, that uh, they're not so much doctrinally cessationist, where they believe that miracles don't happen, super healing miracles don't happen, but uh, they're practically that way. And then the other thing I think that's shaped us so much is the Enlightenment, the European Enlightenment of the 17th century, which basically for most of us Westerners. Uh, took away the spiritual realm, as it were, for, from us. And, you know, we we basically said, it's if it's true, it's got to be available to our five senses. Mm. And so an, an, an empirical kind of worldview. And so healing doesn't necessarily fit in with that particularly very well either. And so we don't have a plausibility structure that makes us easy. It makes us expectant or it's easy for us to believe in healing. Compared so, to like other places in the in the majority world church today in Africa, yes, exactly. Asia, and Latin America, they don't have that problem. 
where, by the way, where the gospel is on the march in a pretty serious way, where they had the most church growth and yes. and probably the most life transformation. This is, uh, Steve, this is the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Can you be a full-orbed disciple and not take this message of healing seriously? Well, um, no, I don't think you can because, uh, and actually, you know, sometimes people ask me, uh, Matt, well, you know, why are you? why are you interested in healing? And I say, well, it's because I'm a Wesleyan and I believe in sanctification. And, and of course, sanctification and discipleship, which is where your heart is, uh, uh, just go, go hand in hand, because that's really what discipleship is. It's, it's being conformed to the image of Christ. And so because there's, there's brokenness in our lives, particularly in, uh, in, in my case, mostly oftentimes in the area of, of emotional and spiritual brokenness uh, that, that needs, if, if, if we don't heal those things, we don't help people receive healing, they'll never be able to run the race. Hmm. Well, and, and that's why this is so important. I think for it, for the area of discipleship. Yes. Well, what we want to be at the end of the day in discipleship is Christ-like, and I would think it's hard to do without taking this seriously. One of the things you talk about, and this is a word that I've I've wondered why we don't talk about it more, because I I looked it up several years ago, loved the word splunknizomai. It's nine times in the Synoptic Synoptic Gospels, you, you talk about it as being moved with compassion. I think the way I saw it was it's compassion down to the bowels of your life. I mean- It's so so talk to us about spontaneity and the necessity of that for good healing ministry. Yeah, because uh, if you look at the healing ministry of Jesus uh, on four different occasions, that word is used that Jesus was moved to compassion and then he healed a leper or he raised a widow's son uh, at at a little place called Nain, (laughs) a village. Uh, And this is the strongest possible word you know, to, to use. It's not just mere, a sort of a pity or saying, oh, that's so bad. That's too bad that, that that's like that. This is something that comes deep from within you that, you know, you're, we get our word spleen from that, that word, mm. you know, it's, about it's, that, yeah. it's for the deep, it's your, your deep inmost feelings, you, you know, come your gut level emotion, you might just say is what we're talking about. And it's, it's, it's such that it moves you to action. You, Splanknizomite implies that you're moved not only to feel deeply about someone's pain and hurt, but you've got to do something about it. Mm, and uh, I, I like to say Jesus heals people actually out of that love, because that's where that's coming from. It's He's moved by loving compassion. And sometimes love has to do more than just send a Hallmark card. Mm. You talk about how healing needs to be part and parcel of the Christian DNA. And if it's not, we need to, by his grace, make make it so. But you talk about five ways that Jesus heals. I'm going to run through these real quick. But the need for balance, and I, I love this message from you, Steve. We need to have these balanced uh, in our lives. He heals directly and supernaturally. Uh, he heals through doctors and medicine. He heals through the human body's healing power. He heals through bestowing grace. I love this grace in suffering. Um, and you talk about, uh, you know, Paul's thorn in the flesh there. And then he heals through victorious dying 
you can die. And guess what? If you're with the Lord, you are healed in that moment. Those yeah. five things, but you suggest a balance of those things in our life, not simply let's just trust and believe in Jesus for direct and supernatural healing. Right. Right. And I, I, I need to give credit to Dr. Frank Stanger, uh, who was the president of Asbury Seminary when I was a student there, who who shared those five, he called them the five miracles of healing. I, I call them the five ways Jesus heals. And uh, yeah, because oftentimes when people hear healing ministry, hear that word healing, they automatically go to supernatural healing. And we need to recover a vital uh, b- belief in expectancy for and and, and some practices that uh, allow us to pray for people for supernatural healing. But it's this whole range of ways that Jesus heals that is is important. And so I've learned over the years that oftentimes I might start praying for people of someone's one way in terms of how God might be wanting to heal them. But if if I pray for their supernatural healing and that's not happening, um, then I'm going to probably maybe start praying more f- for them to be given a, a, a grace in their affliction to be able to deal with suffering. And I know some cases where I've seen God work powerfully, not that he had physically healed or supernaturally healed them the way they might have even wanted to, but they were given a grace and the glory of the Lord was was in the room when you were with them. Mm. You knew. It, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, so we, we, you, all of those need to be taken into account. And 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 so for me, the question really is not if Jesus wants to heal, but how does he want to heal? What com- Sometimes it's a combination of these. Sometimes it's both supernaturals praying for super, but also going to, to a doctor and getting diagnosed right and medication, taking some medication that's going to help, you know, the healing process. So all those things need to go together. Yes. Yeah. You, uh, I, of course, you push this thing. Why, why do we have such an anemic uh, practice of healing today? And you push it back to the Reformation. But I also wonder if it's not this, uh, that the Pentecostals and the Charismatics in some circles, in some high profile ways, yeah. have made it uh, horrific to us. And yes. we don't practice it because they practice it. Yes. And how do we get over that? How do we, we do we need to get over that? Well, um I think I think we do need to get over that. And I actually think, uh, Matt, I actually think we're coming to a better place. Uh, Those of us in the Wesleyan Holiness uh, tribe and the Pentecostal Charismatic tribe, which really were two were two sisters that had a pretty significant falling out at one time. Mm -hmm. I think we're we're getting over a lot of the things that used to divide us. Praise God for that, because I think we're in a better place. Yes. But I do think that as as Wesleyans, we we have this rich heritage in John Wesley that we can go back to. I think to say, well, okay, if we're going to believe in it, let's 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 get it rooted there. And part of the reason I've written this book is partly because I want to help evangelicals be more comfortable engaging in healing ministry and Pentecostals and Charismatics. Uh, to be more balanced hmm. and more discerning, you know, Good. And, Good. So, and I actually think this Wesleyan middle is a rich place out of which to operate, you know, and um, but, 
But I think I think the Asbury world really has helped us with that, too. I mean, you talk uh, yeah. about Frank Stanger. This was the emphasis of much of his life was this healing thing. You, your dad, David yes. Siemens, writing Healing for Damaged Emotions. These are all Asbury community people. E. Stanley Jones, for crying out loud, was right. beautiful on the topic. And, and, and I just think so much comes out of our communities, the Western community that is balanced. I think we need to grab hold of that. I, I agree. And, and to look at the way Wesley and I, in one of the chapters where actually the chapter where I talk about those five ways that Jesus heals, I use Wesley at the end of the chapter as a kind of a model of a guy who actually held all five of these in a, in a vital balance with one another. And uh, so he kind of, to me, uh, he backed into it. There's a lot of things we know about in terms of healing that he didn't know about, but he's he, he's just sort of backed into it, mm. uh, to doing really the right things. And so I think that's where we need to, to go. And uh, uh, I also think that our Wesleyan emphasis on love, that, you know, love, uh, that, that healing ultimately is about love, not about power. Yes. I think in the Pentecostal charismatic world, it's 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 been focused. They've focused too much on the power on power, and uh, that's why people sometimes get pushed over. And basically, there's abuses of power that happen to people uh, in healing ministry. You know, there. Uh, and if if we can frame that again in a Wesleyan way, mm. seeing Jesus healing miracles flowing out of love more than power. They're powerful, yes, but they flow out of love. That can shape the way we do it, and and uh, that's why I'm 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 really excited about. Hopefully, this book can be a a thing that can draw the whole body of Christ into a valid kind of healing ministry uh, that's balanced and biblical and hopefully beautiful. <laughs> beautiful, yeah, yeah. It is a beautiful book. It's called Follow the Healer, and uh, y'all need to pick up on it. Uh, go to Amazon.com or anywhere else they sell books. Stephen Siemens has written this, and it's uh, it's actually quite wonderful. One of the things you mentioned in here is, and you kind of intimate, if we disregard this, we do it to our own detriment. Uh, and you talk about in Latin America, Asian, and African countries, as many as 80 to 90% of first-generation Christians attribute their conversions primarily to having received divine healing for themselves or a family member. Now, I don't think you'd do it for church growth. And I think you're right. We do it for love. But having said that, that's remarkable. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it really is. I mean, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a form of evangelism in a way when, and people seem to be more open, you know, you, you go up to someone and try to start talking to them about Jesus or trying to start, you know, apologetically arguing or something, that doesn't usually go. But if you go up to somebody and say, hey, can I pray for you? Oftentimes the things they'll ask you to pray for, people don't seem to mind that. And they'll tell you, they'll tell you about healing needs in their life. Mm. And so then they'll, and so I think oftentimes in evangelism, Jesus bends over backwards to reach unbelievers. He wants them to come to know him. And so they see we they see a lot of healing miracles, you know, and there are places in the world, in the Muslim world, for example, what's convincing people is when they see the healing power of Jesus. Uh, and, Beautiful. And, and, and you've already said it also in the Muslim world where they see love and yes. respect for women 
and this whole healing dynamic, you put these things together, it's quite a package and it's quite attractive. It is. It is. Listen, you talk here about uh, how healing ministry can be very messy. And I, by the way, I'm finding that with all ministry these days, but yeah, ministry is messy, but healing ministry is, and part of the reason for that is there's so much mystery to healing. Talk to us about the mystery of healing. Uh, yes. Uh, because, you know, we, when we talked about the, those five ways that Jesus heals, well, first of all, how do I know which one of those mm. is Jesus going to want to use or what combination? And then I think um, first and foremost, it's it's bound up with the mystery of the kingdom of God, because that's another key sort of theological concept related to healing, such a close connection in Jesus' ministry. He came preaching the kingdom and healing. And the, and if you study the, the kingdom and his teaching on the kingdom, it's already, it's here. And so we see these inbreakings of the kingdom, the inbreaking of new creation, at times, people are supernaturally healed, et cetera. But then there's this not yet dimension of the kingdom. The kingdom is already, it, it's come, but it, it it's not here. It's here, truly here, but it's not fully here. Mm. And, and in healing ministry, I live in that tension all the time. And that makes it messy because sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I, you know, uh, and... Uh, but you talk about embracing that mystery. It's okay. That's yes. going to happen. That stuff's going to happen. Embrace it. Embrace it. And and sometimes, you know, especially I think in our uh, context today, uh, folks want sound bites. They want simple solutions to really complex problems. And there is a simplicity <laughs> about the gospel, but it's a complex simplicity. You know, it's it, and and. Uh, so folks maybe aren't going to like it. And some of the bad teaching in the church on theology, on healing, I think is an attempt to oversimplify. For example, the faith teaching, the faith formula teaching uh, that's out there in some circles that Jesus, uh, that healing is available to us the same way that the forgiveness of sins is available to us. Hmm. And therefore, if you pray and ask the Lord to heal you, uh, and he doesn't heal you, then there must be something wrong on your end. And, you know, and that that's just led to that's led to a lot of disappointment and and frustration and heartache in people. Uh, so well, you have a beautiful couple chapters in here yeah. uh, by his wounds. We are healed is what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. And uh, man, it's so good. Crown him with many crowns is uh, one of the hymns you talk about, but crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands inside, rich wounds yet visible above and beauty glorified. That something good could come out of that cross. Something good could come out of that nasty, nasty day. And one of the things you talk about, you're in a summer camp in Canada and you're talking yeah. and during a time of public sharing, a woman talked about the compost pile. Now, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah talk uh, to us about the compost pile and yeah, what it has she, to do with healing. She was talking about the gar the garbage in her life. The um, you know sometimes we talk about emotional garbage. She had a lot of that, and the Lord was uh, beginning to finally heal that. She had run away from it and avoided it, but she had she God was healing it, and she was thinking, "Man, I just can't wait for this to get over with." Uh, so, you know, this will be over and done with, and I won't ever have to talk about this or think about it. And she was making a compost pile in her backyard, and the Lord said, I don't want to just, 
I don't want to just uh, get rid of your garbage. I want to use it and I want to take it like the, the stuff you're throwing into that compost pile, you know, the, the garbage that you're yes. putting in there. I want to take your garbage and turn it into compost <laughs> and use it for the healing of others and use it to give you an uh, an opportunity to share with others what God has done for you. And so, you know, just like Jesus' wounds have become, you might just say he still has those scars, but they're now radiant scars, you know. Well, our wounds can become radiant too. Mm. And I've seen some amazing things, Matt, over the years that, that people who's place of humiliation and shame has become their place of spiritual authority you know and henry nowen talked about that in the concept of the wounded healer right y yes and you bring up johnny erickson tata whose whole life has been you could say a compost pile that jesus has done remarkable things with right and that's the, that's the message of the cross to the to to us that god can can heal uh, by his wounds were healed, but also that our scars can become radiant and he can actually use them to convey his presence and his love and his power to people in amazing ways, you know, mm -hmm. go Beautiful. figure. Yeah. Go, yeah, go <laughs> figure. So listen, uh, someone wants to say, yeah, I, I'd like to, I'd like to get this book, follow the healer and uh, the life changing discipleship podcast highly recommends it. Get, go get the book, Follow the Healer. But if someone would say to you today, I'd really like to start a healing ministry in my church, uh, what would you tell them? Well, there's actually a kit that goes with this book that right. Seedbed has put together. And uh, th this, this might be a good book to use as a book to get with a few people who are interested or have some interest in with you, joining with you in a healing ministry or at least just talking about it and thinking about it. And uh, you might want to study this book together. Mm. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, what I would say is, is first and foremost, if you want to start a healing ministry in your church, uh, pray about it for a few months and ask the Lord to begin to lead you in terms of how you might begin to do that. You know, churches are, are at different places when it comes to healing. And uh, you want to push the envelope a little bit, but you might not, you don't, you don't want to turn your church into something that is just completely foreign to it when it comes to healing. So maybe just some simple, what could be some simple things that you could do? Maybe, maybe at the end of communion, uh, uh, where people maybe come and receive the elements you could have a, a, a few stations of where there are a couple of people that would anoint people with oil and just pray for healing needs. Mm. That would be a simple thing you could do. Uh, you know, so I, I say that I would encourage people to move slow and uh, pray, ask the Lord to lead you. And then uh, ask the Lord to bring the people together who have some gifts in the area of healing you know these there are there are spiritual gifts related to healing that are that are part of the in the uh, spiritual giftings so th those folks come together oftentimes they'll be the ones that'll come to us a, a study of a book like this you know and and then um 
there may come a time where you need to actually begin to equip some people to do some healing, to, to know how to pray for people for different kinds of healing needs. Um, yeah, beautiful stuff. Good. I, let me, I'm going to read a paragraph. Uh, that's the second to the last paragraph that you had in your book. And you just say simply, devote yourself to prayer like the disciples did. Ask the descended Christ to send the Holy Spirit upon you so you can join him in participating in his healing ministry. Ask him to intensify your desire, deepen your surrender, love that, and increase your faith. Just ask him for these things and let's see where it leads. Exactly. You know, I think I think that Jesus is thrilled whenever a, a person or a group of people just say, Lord Jesus, we want to be involved in your in your ongoing healing ministry. Show us how to do that. Yes. Guide us and direct us. And I think, you know, if we'll just start taking little baby steps of obedience, it'll be amazing what Jesus will do. One of the things we've talked about in, in our book that we just put out, the, the Doctrine of Good Works, is taking seriously both the works of piety in your life, because they really position you well. Yeah. But Wesley taught, they're not going to position you well if you don't do the works of mercy as well. And that is to go run to the sound of the pain in your community. I think those are the places where healing ministry is going to work the best. It's where it's needed the most. Exactly. And those folks are desperate. Uh they're they're desperate. They 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 know they need, you know, help and healing. And uh those are the places that Jesus is attracted to. You know, he seems to always go to the, you know, uh, water where water seeks the lowest place when it, you know, he 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 wants he always goes to the place of where there's the deepest need. Mm. You know? Well, one of the things I've always said across my ministry is let's not take this subject, whatever the subject is, more seriously than Jesus, but let's not take any less. Right. And I think that's a nice place to find balance with healing. It's not the only thing Jesus did, but right. it's one of the main things he did. So let's take that seriously. Yeah. And I, I think, Matt, that uh, as as uh, the Lord Jesus is uh, calling his church back to himself and is renewing his church, I think most of us agree that the way we've been doing church, particularly in North America, uh, has not been working very well. We haven't because we really haven't been making disciples very well. The, the way we we do things, uh, I think Jesus is on a mission right now to change that. And uh, if we're going to come back to Him and begin to really follow Him, make Him Lord of the Church again, and then follow Him as He leads, there's no way we can avoid this because this is just part and parcel. He preaches, he teaches, he heals. He wants to do those things. And so I think there, there's something, I pray that this book could be used to help us uh, join Jesus and help us, help help Jesus, you, you could use this to renew the church. Well, no yeah. question. That, yeah. Listen, seedbed.com is one of the places you can go if you want to get this kit that Steve's yeah. talking about uh, and the kit that has all number of things, including journal and you yeah. can listen it and read the book together and listen to some of what Steve says about it. Watch him. It's good stuff. I just, I, I recommend it to you. This is good stuff. And it's something that we've tried to make uh, uh, important in our ministry, but moving ahead, we want to make it more. So 
Uh, it's the book's called Follow the Healer, written by Steve Siemens, and uh, I think you'll you'll very much enjoy it, y'all. Make this a major part of your ministry, Steve. It's been a delight to have you with us today. Thank you. Hey, it's, it's been great being with you, Matt. Thank you. All right, it's a wrap. It's been an honor to have you listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast with Matt Friedemann. Hey, check out our books at Amazon.com. The newest book for me is Doctrine of Good Works, written by my friend Tom McCall, my son, Caleb Friedemann. But the book I want you to get this week is Follow the Healer. I think you'll love it. Always, always tell other peoples about this podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you, my daughter thanks you, my sons and their wives thank you. And I can assure you, I thank you for listening to this podcast today. Love God, live clean, keep the faith, make disciples, and God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon.